Hi, this is presenter Kate O'Halloran, and this is the podcast of Kick Like a Girl, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R during the AFLW season. Kick Like a Girl dissects the week in AFLW with stars and fans of the game and focuses not just on the action on field, but the politics off it. We hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Kick Like a Girl's Facebook page, Twitter or website. And this week we have a jam-packed show with some extra special guests and a couple of co-hosts too. Uh, I'll introduce you to them in a moment. But for those who are listening in for the first time, this is our second week of our AFLW radio show. So each week we do a review of the round's action. We vote on the Erin Phillips Appreciation Award, our version of a best and fairest. Uh, we have an interview usually with a player, someone from a club. Next week we've got... Uh, Sabrina Frederick and Rana Hussein on from Richmond, which I know some office mates will be happy about because everyone seems to back for Richmond. Uh, and we've got um, Voices from the Stand every week with Kirby Fenwick, which is five minutes of fan interviews, why people love AFLW so much. And then we have post-match interviews from the weekend's games and the Darcy Vessio Smash the Patriarchy segment where we talk about all the off-field issues in AFLW for the week before previewing the next round's action. But before um, any further ado, I want to introduce my two co-hosts for the day. Uh, The first is Fee Newton, perhaps better known from Chicks Talking Footy. Tell everyone who you are, Fee. Welcome. Thanks, Kate. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. Uh, As you said, I'm from Chicks Talking Footy on Joy, and um, we started our show the year that the AFLW was announced. So mm. been very interested in the in being part of the history of, of um, talking about it and giving a voice to all the players and all that sort of thing. Uh, we've also been very actively involved in the uh, AFL and AFLW Pride Games. So we've broadcast and um, called the game at the um, at those games and also I co-founded the Hawks Pride LGBTI supporter group. So I know, someone let you in, in with a Hawks Pride beanie, which is usually not allowed <laughs> past the door, but um, that's all right. And uh, I have another very special guest co-host who was on twice last season, I think. Em? Twice last year plus the grand final extravaganza as yes. well with all the talented footballers and then I was squished on the end. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. You are Emily Fox. What? Who are you? Tell everyone. Um, uh, geez, I'm an actor, model, athlete, advocate. Don't get paid for any of it. <laughs> so last year, I've been playing the last few years at the St Kilda Sharks Women's Football Club. Uh, held down fullback last year, so I spent the whole game just pointing and yelling at my teammates. And this year I'll be coaching Div 2, so I'll be standing on the sideline uh, pointing and yelling <laughs> at my teammates. Excellent. <laughs> All right, and... We have two other guests in the studio who I would like you to meet. Uh, Even though I told you we normally start with a review of the rounds action, we're actually going to shake it up a bit uh, because we're lucky to have these two in the studio with us. First of all, we have the Premiership winning 2018 All-Australian and competition-leading goal kicker, now Vice-Captain of the Western Bulldogs, Brooke Lachlan. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. And next to you is your club's number six draft pick for this season. She was a Northern Knight. Darabin Falcon was in the 2019 Team of the Year, represented Vic Metro at the Under-18 Championships and showed some enormous promise uh, in the practice matches in the lead-up to Round 1. It's Nell Morris-Dalton. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, All right, well, let's start with uh, something pretty easy. I was pretty happy... As everyone would know, I'm a diehard bulldog about the results on the weekend over the Saints. What did you make of the game and, I guess, who really stood out for you? 
Yeah, um, obviously it was a nice win for us and it's always important to get the first one uh, off the bat um, to to start the momentum for the season and um, you know we started off really well it was really hard conditions out there and a few goals in the first quarter set us up set us up well and um, you know the girls got a lot of confidence out of that um, you know our, our young pups that have come in you know Nell's one of them but the girls on the weekend that played Gemma Lagoya um, Lizzie there's there's a few of them that have really stood up for us and you know it's only their first AFLW game so it's really nice to see and it's really scary for the improvement that's going to happen for them over the the next hopefully 10 plus years uh, that they'll have an AFLW career and um, you know that's that's credit to the the academies for these young girls coming in and um, I, I would have loved to have you know the the support at a young age, but I'm really happy that now these girls coming in have that, and they're stars, they're absolute stars of the future. And it's not only in our team, but you've you've seen it with the other the other clubs. Um, you know, yesterday uh, the Saints girl Georgia. Georgia, how do you say her last Petra- name? Petrarca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd know um, how to say it because I'm going to talk about it later. Her nickname's GP. GP, we'll take that. Um, Lucy McAvoy, there's so many I can name, but um, stars of the future, and it's really nice to see them showcase round one. Mm. And you would have come through the system now with a lot of uh, the newbies. Have you noticed a real, I guess, yeah, shift in the talent that's coming through with the pathways being available now? Uh, yeah, I think definitely um, coming through those pathways and having such good role models through them and um, just learning off really great people definitely has a big impact on all the girls' game games. And I think coming into the AFL now, um, I was pretty confident that a lot of them would be able to just showcase their skills like they did in NAB and Vic Metro, just due to have been played for playing for longer than a lot of the girls and just um, building their skills from a younger age. And I think a lot of them are coming through and showing that now. Obviously, like Lucy McAvoy having a huge impact already and Georgia Patrikios and, yeah, players like for the Doggies, Gabby Newton and stuff, I think they did really well and um, they also stayed very composed over mm. the weekend, which I think is a big thing. Just having played quite a lot of games through their build-up and um, with the academies and stuff, I think that's definitely helped them across the time, yeah. Mm. Um, and you've got a new coach this season, Nathan Burke. What, what's the difference between his style and, say, Paul Grove's? His style, Brooke, you probably know. Yeah, a little bit different. Um, you know, Paul Paul did a great job uh, with us. Obviously, you know, re- receiving the pinnacle of AFLW, winning a premiership. So, um, you know, there's really good things that came out of his his coaching. Uh, but um, Nathan's he's really personal. He's got uh, a business in leadership, so that's probably the biggest thing with him. And he just allows us to to use our strengths and really. Um, you know, it's a free-flowing game for us and he just wants us to go out there and do our thing, do what we know best and um, you would have seen that yesterday with the girls. They're just, yeah, as I said, using their strengths. I thought Em was pointing at me because she wanted to ask a question but obviously not. All right then. Uh, a simple one, I guess, Brooke, but how's your injury going? And, I mean, obviously last season you had the broken leg and we were all just you know jaw dropped at how you managed to get back on the field but um yeah how's the injury going this year yeah it's been a a different 12 months for me it's obviously really unfortunate with the leg last year I had surgery and then uh during the winter I had another 
surgery to take the plate out of my leg. So um, a couple of surgeries, obviously, uh, you know, is, is a bit of a setback. But you grow through those times and sitting on the sidelines, I've, I've learnt a lot uh, throughout the, the past year. And I got my body back to pretty good shape coming into pre-season. And I had a really good pre-season. So it was really unfortunate to, to hear the news uh, one one week out from round one. But mm-hmm. I'll take it. It's not a broken leg. And uh, it's hopefully one to two weeks. And I'll be back out there with the girls. Um, it's looking like pride round at this stage, which is my most favorite Woo! game of the year. So <laughs> excellent! can't wait to be out back with the girls for that one. Um, injuries get a lot of attention in the women's league. Uh, I think a little bit unfairly, but is there, you know, is there ways that the girls are getting educated more now, uh, and and you know, to know how to avoid injuries as well more? Yeah, obviously, you know, there we have had a lot of injuries throughout the last few seasons of AFLW, and there's a lot been a lot of, um, you know a lot of research gone into how we can improve on it. Uh, we've got a, a video that all the clubs watch now, Prep to Play, which it goes through, you know, all the, the motions of, you know, preventing injuries. So they're definitely um, doing the research and helping us, um, helping educate us on it. But, yeah, as you said, it it's um, a big thing in the media and you forget that we're part-time athletes. So mm-hmm. we, you know, outside of, outside of football, we're working – full time and um, it's really hard to get the recovery that we need uh, as well as uh, putting in the the time that we need for full-time athletes and I'd love more time unfortunately that's that's not where it's at at the moment but uh, as as the years go on and, and we get more time at the club and more time with our medical staff uh, I think uh, you'll see the injuries um, hopefully not as many well, thanks for giving me a good segue, Brooke. I did want to ask you both, I guess it's come up a lot um, in the news. Um, I think Emma Carney, Darcy Vessio wrote columns about work-life balance. Obviously, it came up during the CBA negotiations. Now, I think you said you felt passionately about it. You would go to court if you needed to, to support the women who were fighting for a better deal. Why is it something you feel so passionately about? I'll start with you now. Um, I just think it's an important thing, you know, as a girl going through your whole life kind of being second to the boys. And I think um, for me, I thought it would kind of, as the higher you got, you know, it would kind of drift off a bit. But I realised, if anything, it kind of gets a bit more. So yeah. I think, and I just think it was it's an important thing, um, obviously, to be treated equally. But and I think the clubs are doing a lot with it now. And it's getting a lot better. And obviously, just being part of the doggies, it's a very empowering environment, being around such strong women all the time. You know, obviously, I'm not working full time, so it's not as difficult for me. But coming into the club and seeing those um, women who are doing that, I think it makes me feel very empowered. So despite all those issues, I think think when I'm actually in the club I'm not thinking about it just because I'm around such strong women so I think that's been a really good thing for it but obviously the balance is pretty hard even as a if you're working part-time it is pretty hard to get a job just um, due to the commitments and like you're not exactly sure when and where you can be so I think that also does impact the younger girls quite a lot and obviously it's um, two jobs the tax also comes into play so mm. it is it is a hard balance even at a young age but I think it definitely affects the older women more so mm. pass it over to Brookie. <laughs> yeah, the first three seasons I, I I worked full time and it was it was really hard to find the balance and there's times where, you know, we're 
we're traveling or you may have an appearance that you really want to do and you just have to take un- unpaid days and you know that's that's where it's at but this year I've decided to go part-time I really just want to enjoy my footy hopefully hopefully I'm playing for a few more years but I'm not too sure especially with some injuries so I just want to enjoy my time in footy and um, you know that's the sacrifice that we have to make at the moment with um, with our jobs and you know to I've had a background in in professional sport for 16 plus years and um, I know what it takes to be a really good athlete and it takes a lot of hours of training I used to train seven hours a day I I can't do that now but um, you know a lot of training goes into being the best athlete out there and that's what a lot of us girls want to be yeah I guess it's you go, Fee. I was going to say, in the 80s, I remember, um, you know, if you called a plumber, Johnny Platten, or, you know, so <laughs> big players that come. So, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the men were part-time. Uh, it, it's a space that, you know, you're pioneering in and it's it's great that you, what's happening and what you're doing. So Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we get a shift to professionalisation as soon as possible. Absolutely. I guess that's what I'd like to see anyway. Triple R. Um, Brooke, I guess listeners probably know of you more than now necessarily. What would you say about now for those who don't know her? What what struck you about her when she came into the footy club? Nell's a different cat, but we we love it. Um, <laughs> no, she's she's authentic and she's herself, and I think that's what we're seeing in the AFLW. We're seeing these girls come in and they feel like they can be themselves, and that's what we want for them as well. We want them to you know, prepare the way they want to prepare. We want them to, you know, especially with the media, we don't want the cliche answers all the time. <laughs> we we want them to to be themselves and and give honest answers, and that's what. Uh, we we see especially especially from now, but she's got so much talent and she's going to have a really long career ahead of her. Hopefully, as I said before, for these girls, ten plus years, and hopefully it's at the doggies. Yes, um, but, you know, she's going to be a powerhouse forward for many years to come. Very good answer. Well done. I did put you on the spot a bit, but <laughs> now I feel like it's only fair that we ask you uh, <laughs> to describe Brooke for us behind the scenes. What what impressions did you get when you first met her? Um, well, I think the first impression I got was just the pre-season training and Brooke just like smashed everyone in every conditioning <laughs> set. And I was like, whoa. But I think that kind of carried over um, behind the scenes as well, like making sure, checking on everyone all the time and just being a really good role model and making sure everyone gets what they need to get done. And I think that's such a great thing at the Doggies, you know, having Brooke and Ellie and such a strong leadership team that always look out for everyone makes a big difference. And actually having leaders that I really look up to has made a big difference for me coming into the club and feeling inspired by the people that are leading me out which I think is a really important thing um so I think Brooke um has done a really good job of that and just making sure that I feel welcomed and being really caring and looking out for me lovely hey now how did you find the step up moving from the NAB under 18s and coming out of high school to suddenly being thrown into doing a pre-season with these guys who have had four years in the system now was that a bit of a shock or were you able to just get in there and swim upstream straight away um, I think it, it was definitely a big shock. I wasn't really sure what to expect, just definitely because there was quite a big wait between like the combine and then the first training. So I had a lot of time to sit on it and 
by the end I just had no idea no expectations and then when I got there it's, it's a huge change for your body just like the increased load I just felt really tired for like probably a month so I think that definitely took me the most to get used to and obviously the older women have been doing it for a few years so it's not as tough on them you know doing a big like six eight k session and then going into the gym I'm not sure Brooke agrees but <laughs> it's tough, tough on them yeah I but, think it's tougher <laughs> yeah probably actually but yeah I just found that um quite hard you know doing so much training all the time and but I think I got through it pretty well you know pre-season's always doable you just have to remember that you'll survive so it wasn't too bad <laughs> yeah. and just on that one then Brooke uh, obviously with Monique Conti and Katie Brennan leaving the uh leaving the doghouse you did get a lot of draft picks this year and a lot of brand new kids come in how has that energized some of you guys who have been around for a while now yeah they definitely keep us on our toes the young ones but you know their their skills are well, arguably better than some of ours. So they've and they've also played a lot more footy than some of us girls who have even been in in the system for four years. But uh, as I said before, they've they've come in and um, they they haven't missed a beat. You know, obviously the conditioning is probably a step up from what they've previously done in the past. But um, in terms of skills, that's it's right up there. And um, you know, as you said, we've we got four of the top. 10 picks and um, we're really lucky to be able to get them and uh, they're they're going to be stars of the future so it's unfortunate that we've lost girls like Monique and, and Katie but we take that as a compliment that these expanding clubs want our players and we've lost a few over the years but again we take that as a compliment. Now, I want to talk about AFLW Pride Game, uh, which is coming up on February the 22nd. Um, it's hosted, one of the games, or the main game, is hosted by the Bulldogs and Carlton at Whitnoval, and um, it'll be the third Pride Game ever. In fact, um, I remember, Brooke, in the first Pride Game that was hosted there, you kicked seven goals, and um, they were... They were letting off uh, fireworks every time a goal was kicked <laughs> and they were really worried they were going to run out because you kept kicking goals. <laughs> I think there was only one left. Um, but, you know, the Bulldogs have got a real philosophy around um, inclusion uh, and, and support of the LGBTI community. Uh, you know, you've been at the club for a while. I know um, Darabin have hosted some Pride Games as well. But what, what positive stories have you seen come out of that and what effect has it had on your club? Yeah, I think as Bulldogs, we're a real community club, as you've probably seen, and it's we've got a lot of, of pride that we do. We do have this pride game every year, and as players, it's it means so much more than just a game. And um, the crowd that turn up uh, at Whitnoval on, on Pride Night is is something else. Like mm. we get a really you know, supportive crowd always at Whitnoval, but there's just a different feel um, at Whitnoval in Pride Round and it's yeah it's a game that we look forward to every year and especially with the meaning behind it so I hope that we can be a part of in- inclusion um, and you know we're obviously a part of the LGBT IQ community and you know we're yeah we're really looking excited excited for the game this year yeah, well, last year there, I think there was 10,000 people that turned up to Whitnoval and it was a dead rubber. There was no consequence in terms of the result of the game on the finals, um, but still the crowd was just massive and there was such a great energy, as you say. Uh, one thing I've noticed, the difference between the AFL Pride game and the AFLW is the stories are much more personal. You know, it's about their, the players' families and um, yeah, I remember Hannah Scott yeah. Um, talking about how much it meant to her to be able to run out on the field that day. Um, has it, have you seen that effect on the players too? 
Yeah, definitely. I think, again, that's AFLW where the girls, are, they feel like they can be themselves and they can be authentic and the clubs give the girls the opportunity to share their stories and it's something that I'd love to see more with the boys. Obviously, the mental health side of it's coming coming out a little bit more but um, that side of it also I feel, um, I hope that there's a change in the next few years but it's really nice to see the girls come out with their stories and um and you can really tell that it's it's deep for them and I think that's what the fans love and they love about AFLW Mm. well said you're listening to a triple r podcast discover more podcasts from triple r exploring science technology food books social issues politics and more to listen hit up the triple r website or your favorite podcast platform just a little segue, I asked um, a friend, Casey Simons, who works on this show over the weekend to get Ellie Blackburn to record a, hi, you're on Triple R, you're listening to Kick Like a Girl. Now, I just want to, I just want to play it for you and see if you can tell us if this is a uh, pretty typical Ellie. I'm Ellie Blackburn and you're listening, to, oh, what is it, Kick, Kick Like, like a Girl yeah. on Triple R. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I just got distracted by, I was like, what am I even saying right now? <laughs> Hi, I'm Ellie Blackburn, and you're listening to Kick Like a Girl on Triple R. <laughs> Is uh, Ellie a bit easily distracted? <laughs> uh, I would say I'm pretty good at distracting Ellie. Um, me and Elsa take that role pretty well, and we're really good at it, so yeah, she's easily distracted. <laughs> I love that. I was like, she doesn't even know what this radio show is. <laughs> she's just giving it a crack. Um, She'll get a fine for that. <laughs> Uh, now, a couple quick questions. Um, number one, I actually have met your mother before because um, she works in the women's health sector. I've worked in the family violence sector before. Um, has she been an influence on you growing up, I guess, just seeing and hearing how passionate you are about gender equality? Uh, yeah, I think definitely. Um, especially going out with three brothers, it was very good to have mum there, especially with such strong background knowledge. I think it's really important to have that just to so if I ever needed to ask questions or wanted to understand anything, like she can just like spit. She knows so much. So I think that's really important for me and I learnt a lot of her um, throughout my years and just like simple things, just like not to take <laughs> not to take any I don't want to swear on the show, but oh, you're allowed. not to take <laughs> any crap. You know, I think that was definitely a big thing for me in primary school and, and high school and just like learning um, your rights as a woman and what you can and can't do and I think definitely um, pushing me forward and not letting anything stop me was a big thing that mum did and yeah again just like being able to learn off her was really great. Amazing well you've landed in a good spot in the AFLW then. Definitely. Well you've been at the club for a few years now Brooke have you found that having a women's program at the club now has probably changed attitudes amongst a lot of the men who work down at Western Bulldogs as well just around inclusivity and uh, gender equity? Yeah, it has. It's it's taken a while and it's been an ongoing conversation for a few years, you know, just simple things of not being able to be in the gym when the boys are in the gym. So that's something that the boys, they don't mind. They, they want to be in the gym with us and we'd love to be in there with them so that we can interact a little bit. And, you know, I think that the AFL are really um, on board with understanding us girls and, and where we want to go with inclusion with with both men's the men's team and the girls and it's not just the Bulldogs it's it's every club that have this issue and uh, we're working on it but um, we 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 do understand it's going to take time and that the AFL are on board with it they're listening to us 
Gil's really on board with with changing things. Nicole's really on board with changing things. So um, we'll we'll get there. Yeah, let's hope we get there sooner rather than later because we don't need to take any more of that crap right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Brooke Lachlan, Nell Morris-Dalton from the Bulldogs. Been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, girls. Now we are I just turned myself off. Um, We are going to play uh, five minutes for you of one of our favourite segments, Voices from the Stands with Kirby Fenwick, where she uh, finds her way through the crowd and asks people why they love AFLW so much. You are on Kiklaki Girl on Triple R. Okay, can you tell me your name? Angel. And who do you barrack for? Richmond. Now, you've got a badge here. Who's on your badge? Sophie Mullen, hashtag number one, hashtag my favourite player in the team. And how do you know Sophie? Um, Sophie and I went to high school together, been one of my best friends for a really long time, and I'm so, so, so proud of her achievements and everything that she's worked hard for and really hope she crushes tonight's game. And what's it like for you having one of your mates playing for your footy team? Oh, it's so surreal. It's, it's her dream come true, and I feel like kind of like a big sister supporting her in this time so that's so sweet <laughs> yeah can you tell me your name claire and who do you break for claire alton <laughs> and i have to ask you what do you love about the afrw uh, i love footy growing up but then i was alienated from the men's game and yeah i came to the first game uh four years ago here and i wasn't uh it is a bit different i didn't think i would be brought back to the game in the way that I was but as soon as Lauren Arnell ran out and they played the Carlton theme song I was in tears like everyone else and uh, it's just all the things that I had loved growing up about footy and could be a part of when I had lost the way due to the culture around men's footy. Beautiful. <laughs> Go Blues. <laughs> What's your name? Ruby. And Ruby, who do you barrack for? Richmond. Richmond Tigers. And where are we tonight? Um, the Icon Grounds. And what's happening tonight? The AFLW Richmond's playing the first game. And how are you feeling about that? Yeah, pretty excited. And do you play footy yourself? Yeah, I do. You do. What what sort of what position do you play? Whereabouts on the ground can we find you? Usually wing. On the wing, so you're you're fast. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you what are you looking forward to tonight? What are we hoping for? Um, just to see the girls out on the ground and how they play. And are you sort of thinking maybe one day you might play in the AFLW? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. And who are you here with tonight? Um, my pop. Your pop. Hi, pop. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> long time Richmond supporter? Uh, 76 years. Oh, so just a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, a long time. Yeah. So how are you feeling tonight? Oh, sensational. I think it's going to be great. I, uh, we've been watching the girls. I've been watching my granddaughter for a couple of years. And uh, since the, uh, um, the AFLW started, it's been terrific to watch them there. That's exciting to watch, and um, yeah, that brings a good crowd too. So, but you know, anybody in yellow and black is good for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell me your name, Kylie? And Kylie, I should tell the listeners of Kick Like a Girl that we're pals. We are pals. And who do you work for, Richmond? And where do you actually live? I live in Adelaide. So you've flown over for this game? Yes, I have flown especially for tonight. 
So you're obviously pretty pumped. I am very, very pumped, yes. <laughs> How long have you been a Richmond fan? Uh, my whole life, 37 years. And so what does this mean to you tonight? There are going to be women running out in a Richmond jumper onto a footy ground. Uh, it makes me very emotional. It means a lot. Um, it's, yeah, something obviously I never saw as a kid, never thought would happen when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, to see it and to see just how big it is, like for it to mum to be watching at home in Adelaide on TV. Yeah, just like how many people are here and the size of the league. It's, yeah, it's really incredible. It means the world. Saints fans, make some noise for your team! Alright, I'm not even going to ask you what your name is because I already know what your name is. Yvette, Roby, how are you? I'm good, how are you? How are well, you feeling? I'm feeling very excited to be back at Moravan. Very sad that uh, it wasn't a St Kilda first win, but we we locked out the place with 8,000 people. So that's great, showing how many Saints are happy for have us home. I sat here when I was 12 years old watching the boys, the same position around the fence uh, when I was 12. So from 12 to 17 and now when I'm 64, I'm back at it, loving the girls. And uh, it's great. <laughs> Go Saints! Footy's back. Footy's back. <laughs> yes, no, it's been a long summer. Footy's back. I like that. <laughs> yeah, how good was that? I love listening to Kirby's segment. I just I feel bad that I never have time to actually, you know, sit down and analyse it because we've always got 20 other things to get through for the show, which is exactly what we're going to do right now. I'm Kata Heller and I've got Emily Fox and Fee Newton in the house with me and we are going to quickly go through round one. Uh, first game. Blues won by 34 points. Did that surprise anyone? Well, it, if they had have kicked accurately, more accurately, it would have been even more, I think. <laughs> well, 6-12, I think they kicked. Yeah, they, they missed some easy shots, I, I felt. But um, it was a slaughterhouse. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, unfortunately for, for Richmond's debut. You got the feeling a lot of those Richmond players, they did have a lot of debutants, a lot of players who hadn't mm. played at AFLW level before and did seem like they were a little bit overwhelmed. It was... The Carlton team dominated through that midfield, so the the whole game was played pretty much in uh, Carlton's forward line, and it was just really hard for Richmond to move the ball, but they will be better for the run, and yeah. some of those kids will probably get a lot of nervous energy out after that experience, and I'm sure we'll see Richmond be a lot more competitive this year, but Carlton seemed to have carried on pretty well from last year, and that midfield of theirs and that forward line of theirs is actually starting to look pretty scary. Yeah, they've got quite a few targets up front, I think, um, whereas Richmond, they're really relying on Sabrina and um, mm. Courtney Wakefield to take, you know, marks in the forward line for it to be able to convert to a goal. Uh, I think they need to broaden that, that forward line and, and being able to get it down there. And uh, not on the football for a moment, but what did you make of the crowd? 15,000 is actually the lowest um, opening round crowd we've had. Yeah, I think I was I was theorising about this because yes. um, I think people are now, with more teams in the competition, people are starting to go to games to follow their actual team, mm. whereas that opening round uh, has often been, okay, let's go and support the first round and support mm. women's football. I think there was also a lot of rumours that would be a lockout and mm-hmm. that put people off going. Yeah, I feel the fact that it, because it wasn't ticketed, yes. I think that was actually a disadvantage for getting a large crowd because in the mm. lead-up to the game, there was so much speculation that it was going to be a lockout. I imagine quite a lot of people, and there's quite a few that I know, 
just chose not to go because they didn't expect to be able to get in. Mm. So that opportunity to be able to pre-buy tickets mm. probably would make sense for these larger games because... Then you know you can get in. No, you can get in. Yeah, uh, I actually wrote a column about that today. I just said that I think even if they want to keep it free, there's no reason why they can't ticket it because then people are assured of a seat, especially if they're coming long distances, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think if you're going to ticket it for free, you might as well charge a fee because it's going to cost you a lot of money to ticket it in the first place. So, yeah. But, you know, I mean, not-for-profits do it all the time through, like, Eventbrite or, you know, it's not that, it's not that hard. But. And then we wouldn't have to answer to the, the people that say, but you're only going because it's free. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's just men and we don't need to listen to them. <laughs> this is our game. Yeah. Um, we haven't got too much time to do this uh, round review, so let's jump ahead. GWS Gold Coast was obviously a low-scoring game because it was pelting with rain beforehand and then the Giants won by a solitary point. Yes, although I was uh, saying before the GWS have a knack for playing in really extreme weather, don't they? I know, they've had like two lightning strikes in a year, o- like, across two different seasons. Yeah, and also in the men's GWS they had uh, the first ever snowfall during a <laughs> AFL game, bar those that play in Canada. Um, but, you know, I mean, just can we get a 25-degree sunny day, please? Oh, I think they're cursed, the Giants. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, regardless of the score in that game, everyone's been speculating it was such a low score, but it was probably – it was my highlight of the week. Honestly, I thought really that was the game. best game to watch. I thought it was a really cracking, contested game. Um, we watched the uh, Alice Parker just – take on another step from her amazing season last year where she had 22 posies and five tackles on the weekend in the wet um and i just want to have a shout out to lauren ahrens who uh played a couple of games at the sharkies last year but she made her debut and had uh seven kicks eight handballs and uh four tackles pretty much holding down that back line for gold coast who were totally swamped uh gws had um 26 inside 50s to eight for the game so it was totally unbalanced um gold coast are probably going to be better than we expect Mm, I was impressed, actually. Uh, moving on to Melbourne and the Kangaroos. This is another good game for me. Uh, Melbourne won in the end by a couple of points at Casey Fields. Wow. What a great start to the season for them because I think nine out of the 14 captains predicted that North Melbourne would be in the grand final and, and win the premiership. Yeah. Well, so I for them North to lose the first game against Melbourne was a big deal, I think. Mm, I mean, I never was sort of certain that the Kangaroos would win, but I thought, yeah. Well, I suppose others have predicted Melbourne to do well this year as well. I mean, they've missed out by percentage basically every season yeah, up until now. True. So, yeah. What do you think, Em? Uh, I wish we had better weather. The wind down in Casey is always atrocious, but we did get a chance to see, in my opinion, the two best midfields in the game go head-to-head against each other in round one, and it didn't disappoint. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the players, like we had Paxman, O'Day, Gay, Garner, Bruton, Kearney or smashing against each other for four quarters. Mm. I wish we could see that every week. Yeah. Mm. And the next game was actually quite the upset. Uh, Brisbane Lions, 5-4-34 to Adelaide, 3-3-21. Did anyone pick that? Uh, yeah, I would have picked Brisbane to win that. Really? Uh, yeah, I think Adelaide, um, they've got a lot of injuries at the mm. moment. Uh, you know, Obviously, with Aaron Phillips and Chelsea Randall injured, they're, they're, they're kind of limping at the moment, I think, mm. as a team. So they're they're waiting to get a few people back in about two or three weeks, but they're 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 short on on players, I think. 
Well, Brisbane was certainly short on players too because half the team left last season. So True. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, sorry, I'm going to move on because we've got three to get through in a few minutes. Um, Collingwood, West Coast. Collingwood broke through for their – was it their first win in the first round yes. ever? Yes. Yep. Um, they, they haven't had many wins at all over the last no. few years. So. Yeah, well, Steph Giotti said she's been waiting three years for that moment. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what did you think of the Eagles? Did you catch this game, both of you? I think it was um, Dana Hooker versus Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Hooker and Swanson versus the entire Collingwood team. Yeah. I think, yeah, West Coast, they're assembling something. It's not going to be about this year for them, I don't think. Um, but it's finally good to see Collingwood putting a really good team on the park that's actually playing like a really good team, uh, as opposed to the last few years when they really have underperformed. Mm. Yep, indeed. And I know Steph Giocci t- has taken unpaid leave for the term. That's so right, she's for teaching. Focus. She's working for the club as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. Many seem to be making a choice one way or the other this season, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, St Kilda, Western Bulldogs. Obviously, we had the doggies in, so we've talked a little bit about this, but it was nice to see Moorabbin locked out as well. I know. In the second quarter, they locked the gates. It's amazing. So, so good to have football back at Moorabbin. I and know. It's, it's not like what Moorabbin used to be either, I can tell you. It's absolutely beautiful. The ground is no longer a mud pit. <laughs> And the rooms have actually got hot showers, so they've definitely changed things down there. <laughs> Not yeah. like the Tony Lockett days. Indeed. It was nice to hear a vet, Roby, uh, footy almanac pal on uh, Voices from the Stands as well. And the last game, um, Sabrina Duffy kicked four goals and led Fremantle to victory 6-8-44 against the Cats 4-4-28. Yeah, I think it was a close game for three quarters and Frio just sort of came away with it in the last quarter. Mm. So I think both of those teams are looking good. That Fremantle forward line is probably the best forward line in the league, I think, mm. going into this season. Just with Duffy and Gemma Houghton was just causing chaos all day. Did and you then... see Rocky Cranston handballer to herself? Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. I've never seen anyone oh. do that before. And watching Rocky Cranston and Evie Gooch play on each other the whole game, and they're just like they're just monster-sized <laughs> wrestling and bashing into each other. That's the kind of footy I love to watch. It was so physical, <laughs> and no one gave an inch. But yeah, in the end, I think Geelong had too many passengers, and, and Fremantle are going to be there when the whips are cracking at the end of the year again. I'm excited Mm. about them. Yeah, I'm uh, bullish about them. Triple Ah. So, well, we should now move on to do our votes, but I've just remembered that I finally have managed to cut together a little audio for our Erin Phillips Appreciation Award. I declare the winner... Of the Aaron Phillips, the best and fairest. <laughs> I don't, I, did Gil really say it like that? He said, I declare the winner of the Aaron Phillips, best and fairest. It's like he, he knows that we have it on this show. Uh, <laughs> so I asked you both to come up with a 3-2-1. Can you please give us your Aaron Phillips Appreciation Award 3-2-1 for the round? Well, I gave my three points to Sabrina Duffy. Mm-hmm. From Fremantle for kicking, I mean, she kicked four goals and was just so strong in their forward line. Uh, and then I, my, my two points went to Eden Zanka from mm-hmm. Melbourne. She basically uh, gave Emma Carney the don't argue, which I thought. <laughs> anyone deserved, who can do that to Emma Carney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyone that can do that to her um, deserves some points. And then she, in a tackle shortly after that, she um, walked off with her left arm hanging from the side of her body. Oh, gosh. Within minutes was back on the field and assisted with their second goal and then she kicked the winning goal 
Amazing. for Melbourne in the final quarter. So fair she, performance. She gets my two points. Uh, and of course, Anne Hatchard, who broke the record for the number of disposals in an AFLW game, Adelaide player, she gets my one point. Excellent. Em? I had Anne Hatchard for my three votes. Like, she didn't do enough to get Adelaide over the line, but it was a best individual performance we've ever seen. Kiara Bowers, two votes for me, just did the typical thing 20 touches, 15 tackles. And uh, I gave Maddie Prisparkis my one because I just felt her play in that midfield for Carlton just set a standard that we want to see for the year. I like it. All right. I gave three to Sabrina Duffy, four goals. I know you said Kiara Bowers is the difference. I think she almost always is. So I thought Duffy <laughs> this week. Uh, two votes to Anne Hatchard. Again, record-breaking 35 disposals. Also had um, six tackles in there, 18 kicks, 17 handballs. Crazy. And Georgia <laughs> Patrikios, I think I've said it correctly, from St Gilda. GP. I just thought she was so impressive on debut. Did not look out of... Um, as if she was out of place at all, had a game-high 18 disposals in her first ever match. Very impressive. Uh, I reckon she'll be the rising star. Yeah, from what I saw, I was extremely impressed. Okay, we are going to go to a couple of quick sponsor announcements and then we've got a couple of post-match interviews to play for you from Round 1 Action. You're on Kick Like Girl, AFLW Radio. Those post-match interviews are with Casey Simons and Emily Fox, who's actually in the studio. You're with Kick Like a Girl on Triple R, and today we're in the Richmond Rooms after their historic first game against Carlton with uh, Cody Jux. Now, you just had Monique Conti lean over your shoulder and talk about how amazing she is. How does it actually feel, though, making your debut in the famous yellow and black alongside some really big names in women's football like KB and Monique and Sab? Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. Mon's a little pest, but um, no, actually, Mon's been great. Uh, Mon's been amazing to let me move in with her for the AFL season, her and her family. So they've opened me with open arms. But um, no, they've been absolutely amazing. Mon has been a great mentor for me, along with KB um, and Sabs. You know, it's absolutely surreal. I, w- I was running out there and um, I couldn't believe it. Actually, I looked around, saw the crowd, looked at KB and looked at Mon, and was like. How's this even happening? But um, no, it was absolutely amazing. I was very thankful for the group. Well, I hope that's something you can put in the bank for the future and you'll look back on your 200th game in about 10 years' time and say this is where it all started and hopefully there'll be a few yellow and black flags along the way. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So I'm here with Paris Laurie. She's just come off the track today for the West Coast Eagles' first ever AFLW game. Obviously not the result that you were hoping for, but can you talk to me about what it felt like to run out with the team for the first time ever in this AFLW competition? Yeah, to be honest, it's hard to describe, but just a really special feeling. I think not only is it the first time that Eagles have got a women's team running out, but it's actually, it's just such a special group. All the girls are really close-knit, and um, yeah, it was a really special moment to share with such a tight group of girls, and um, I loved every second of it. And talk me through the game. Obviously, there's a lot of learnings out of a big first hit out like that in, in your first game as a team. What will you be taking into next week's big game against Fremantle? I think we had some really good patches. It's just making sure we can do that throughout the entire game. So I think our pressure at times was unreal. So I think we just need to uh, continue working so that we can keep that up all game. But, um, yeah, I think we've, we'll learn a lot from this. We'll, we'll watch vision and, um, yeah, we'll take, take each week as it comes. But... I think lots lots to get out of this positively and lots to learn from it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And talk to me a bit more about what next week means. I mean, that's a huge game at Optus Stadium against Frio, the first ever AFLW Western Derby. How does that sit with you as a player looking forward to something like that? That's such a historic moment. To be honest, haven't thought too much about it just yet, but I'm pretty excited um, to hopefully get the opportunity to play at Optus. I've never played there before. 
Um, so pretty cool, but just really exciting for WA and um, young girls in, in WA to be able to watch the first ever women's AFL in Western Australia Derby. Yeah, fantastic. And it's raising money for the Bushfire um, Fund, so it's all the money from tickets that are on sale at the moment will go to support those families and people that have been affected by these terrible bushfires. How does that resonate with you as well, um, knowing that this game actually has a lot of outcomes and can help support the community? Yeah, I think it's great. I think, um, you know, it's really inspiring for young girls to come watch the footy, but it's also really inspiring for us to know that, um, you know, everything that, all the proceeds that we do get out of the game are going towards such a great cause and once again, just Aussies coming together to um, band together and get the job done and help one another out. So it's just, yeah, it'll be a really good atmosphere, I think. And I just want to ask one final question, and that was um, Dana Hooker's first goal for the West Coast Eagles. What did that feel like watching that ball go through the big post and that celebration afterwards? Yeah, to be honest, I thought I'm knackered, but I've got to get to her. I've got to make sure I celebrate this with her. The the first goal of the game, but the first goal for uh, Eagles AFLW team, really special. And um, I was just glad to be out there with her and go and give her a big hug. So it was really good. (laughs) Excellent. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Thank you. A big thank you to Casey Simons for uh, jumping into the West Coast Eagles rooms. Not that I'm sure it was much of a chore for her since she's such a mad fan. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, they didn't get the win, but I did enjoy hearing from Paris Laurie, who I don't know if you've seen her Q&A on the uh, West Coast Eagles website. (laughs) She was asked her favourite band and she said, Nickelback. Stop pretending that you do not like them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been pretending for a long time. (laughs) Do do we think she's serious? That's what I want to know. Being around women's football clubs now, uh, not surprising. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow, Nickelback gets them Mm -hmm. moved up. Holy shit. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) We we, um, have... A very special segment to get through, Darcy Vessio's Smash the Patriarchy segment, and we finally have a little audio sting for it. Are you ready? Smash the Patriarchy! <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, Kirby Fenwick's niece. I thought that was brilliant. So uh, you're going to hear that every week. Enjoy. Um, the issue that I want to bring up um, is around work-life balance. We talked a little bit to the Bulldog, um, Bulldog guests about this earlier, but um, Beck Goddard was commentating on the weekend uh, at the Brisbane game and she made the point that, you know, she didn't want to see players like Jess Wushner who got struck by lightning 19 days before um, the start of the competition working at 3am. Um, <laughs> like, either you're lucky or really unlucky, I'm uh, not sure. Wow. I mean, well... You know, it was bad enough that we knew she got struck by lightning. I didn't realise it was at 3am in the morning. Um, I did know she worked night shifts, and I think the AFL knows this about the players working night shifts, early morning shifts. You know, I think we talked about Tiana Ernst last week working as a doctor as well. There's so many of them who are juggling um, footy and work. But then Nicole Livingston was asked about it on TV, and she actually said, well, the players are getting paid exponentially more each year, which is not true. They're not getting paid exponentially more. And she also said that, well... You know, some are taking leave without pay and that's okay because their footy wages are covering it. So, well, I have some thoughts. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think Amanda Frugia or Bianca Jacobson might disagree. People who have had to walk away from football this year because of careers. And I watched the Gold Coast uh, Greater Western Sydney game and Fridge was a guest commentator, special commentator. And every single time GWS got the ball, it was a reference to we and us and it was almost breaking my heart listening to her say this because she should have been out on that park. She should have been out there as their captain, but she's had to make a choice to walk away from football. And 
it's because she's not getting paid or rewarded. And we're four years in now and we shouldn't be losing some of our best players because it's not financially viable for them to, to play a sport where the male athletes just get to take that for granted. Was that the reason she retired? Mm. She is 30. Yep. It was, okay. She's, she's also 34, so she probably might have had a year or two left. No, she definitely said that, yeah, she was a teacher choice. as okay. well, and she said, I couldn't continue to keep balancing the two. I yeah. didn't, you can't do AFLW half-hearted, and that's what I would have been doing if I was, didn't want to lose my job or yeah, not do my right. job properly. So, um, yeah, I just think, I mean, the, the thing for me as well, I mean, I think Nell actually mentioned it earlier today that the players are getting this wage for playing AFLW, but they're actually getting taxed half of it because it's their second job, most of them, because they're working another job. So it actually dwindles down quite a bit from the figure that we get quoted. And then when you're taking leave without pay, it's not just that, okay, well, you can get that income back from AFLW because, you know, that means lost super, that means, you know, gaps in your career, you're missing out on promotions, you know. um, We know this about women who have to take time off for um, child-rearing responsibilities and the uh, inequitable nature of that in terms of gender equity. So it feels like that's being replicated for me in this competition. I guess it's hard because the practical side of my brain goes, we couldn't have gone from zero to a 20-game full-time season, you know, in one, two, three, or even four years. It's going to take time to build to that. I look at the, although I look at the VFLW um, system and I go, they are playing from May to August, Mm, Uh, about six months. Yep, that's correct. And uh, they're playing in the local grounds and it's happening often as double headers with some of the male games. Surely that that would be the vision for AFLW in the long run. I just think I just sort of think, well, okay, th- then people can be played full, uh, paid full time, but what's the steps in between? And we have to be a little bit realistic yeah, sometimes. I think that the, the language needs to change from equality to equity. Mm. Uh, the men's season is probably too long, and the yeah. men's programs have been saying that it's too long for a long time. They want to play so less. They want to play, play less. More. The women want to play more. So there's the opportunity to even out the, the financial aspect of it, getting rewarded for your play, when the men should probably play 17 rounds and the women play 17 rounds. And that way, it will overlap. There will be some double headers, but at least it's bringing that equity mm. um, into both codes. I'm not really a fan of double headers. I think they have very different audiences and that's a confusing situation where they assume that, oh, well, we'll get more men's viewers to the women's games, but I don't think we need to rely on them to form a crowd for AFLW. No, but what I like about double headers is that the women's game is often first, so all the women's football fans can get into the ground first and take all the good seats <laughs> and we can send the blokes up to the back of uh, level four because we're all there to watch the real game of football first. Well, no, I don't like it in all seriousness because it's, you know, suggests that it's a curtain raiser for the real game. But anyway, I want to get on to um, the preview of next round. I'm very excited about Friday night because the doggies are playing Melbourne. They always seem to have a good contest at the Witten Oval, 7.40. What's your tips? Oh, jeez, it's impossible to tip at this stage. <laughs> my heart says doggies, my brain says demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my, I would tip the doggies at Witten Oval. Yes, all right. Be a close, it could be a close contest, but I'd definitely always tip Bulldogs at the Witten Oval. I remember being there for that. Almost, it felt like a preliminary final when the Doggies in Melbourne played that game before the finals um, in 2018. It was such a good atmosphere and I felt like it was first time that it felt like a really parochial Bulldogs crowd too. They started, you know, the chant and anyway, it was a nice atmosphere and I'm hoping it, that is replicated again. It always seems to be a nice atmosphere at Witten Oval anyway. Um, Kangaroos GWS Saturday. That's actually in Tassie. 
Yeah, it's hard to tell where GWS are really at because the game last Saturday I don't think was a true representation of either the Gold Coast or GWS, but I'd probably tip the Kangaroos. Kangaroos don't lose in Tasmania at this stage. Yeah. And don't be surprised whether Emma King goes uh, bananas and kicks a bag because she barely touched it on the weekend. Mm. And she's too proud to let that happen two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, so I put her in my DIY fantasy team and uh, I was like, Emma King had such a stellar <laughs> last year. What are you doing? Um yeah, hopefully a good crowd for that one. I don't think we had a great one last year in Tassie, so hopefully our Tasmanians get out and support the game. Um, yeah, half the Kangaroos team, I think, still trains in Tassie. Well, the Tassie-based girls do too. Anyway, so that's interesting. Uh, Gold Coast, Suns and Richmond at Metricon 510. Suns for me. Suns for me, especially because they perform so well against the Giants and uh, Leah Kassler and Tiana Ernst barely touched it on the weekend. So if they bring their A game to this one, this Gold Coast Suns team is actually looking pretty solid. Mm. Yeah, I'd probably tip the Gold Coast Suns. Although, as I said, I find it hard to know where Gold Coast or GWS are at. But Yeah, I, got, um, I saw a comment on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but they said, controversially, I was least impressed by... Maybe it was Gemma who I had on last week, but I was m- least impressed by Richmond of the four new clubs yeah. in round one. Do you think that's a fair Yeah, I would say call? that's fair. Yeah, they didn't perform as we'd expected, but yeah. once again, they might have been overwhelmed and we we'll, might get a better idea after this game. Yeah, it's hard to tell after round one. I assume they're extremely nervous, you know, no pressure. First game of the yeah. season in front of a huge crowd. Uh, then we've got the Western Derby, uh, the Eagles and Frio, 7-10. At Upton Stadium. I'd tip Freo. I think Freo can choose how much they're going to win by. And oh. <laughs> oh, that's a bit harsh. Jeez. Um, or at least, you know, for Freo fans that often lose the men's derby against the ego, Eagles, or at least have one in the last few the years. The Egos, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> the, egos. <laughs> the West Coast Egos, sorry, Casey. Uh, you know, I think, I think Freo will dominate. Well, I hope we get a good crowd. That's a ticketed game, isn't it? The derby? Yeah, raising money for the bushfires as well. Mm. well don't be surprised whether it's a full house too. $3 yeah. a ticket. Yeah. Amazing. Get along. So Buy 10. Stop your carry-on <laughs> about free ticketing. Uh, yeah, well, that's a very rare exception. Uh, Sunday, we've got gold... Uh, sorry, G- Geelong Cats against Brisbane Lions. One ten at GMHBA. Ooh, that could be a close... Oh, it's at, it's at the Cattery. I'd tip Geelong at the Cattery. After last weekend, I'm going to tip Brisbane. Okay. This would have been Geelong, mm. but I've flipped after watching that performance by Brisbane. I, th- I think there's something special happening there. All right. I feel, oh, like, I feel like we write off Brisbane every season and they prove us wrong, so we should probably <laughs> yeah. have learned our lesson by now. Carlton Collingwood, 310 at Icon Park. Carlton. Carlton. <sighs> why, why said so begrudgingly? Uh uh, I, I actually quite like Collingwood, which is an amazing <laughs> yeah, thing too. to say. Get out. But Get out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Look, oh, Collingwood's Doors midfield is great. Collingwood have underperformed, and I'd love to see them really put on a good show this year. But also, Carlton, they've just got a midfield that's a little bit scary, and they've got the best ruck combo in the competition as well. So if Shani gets worked over, I think Carlton will get their midfielders to just feed Taylor Harris and, and, and yeah, they'll, Darcy, and they'll just probably run away with it. Mm. Mm, I think Carlton as well. And then the final game of the round, Adelaide versus St Kilda in Adelaide. In Adelaide, Adelaide. Adelaide in Adelaide. Yeah, expecting a better performance from them this week. Yeah, I think just the uh, when Adelaide play in Adelaide, it's hard to beat them. Will Phillips be back yet? 
Oh, I don't Doubt think it. so. I think they'd be making more noise about it if it was possible. Yeah. Uh, we haven't got too long left, so I should let everyone know that next week on Kick Like a Girl, your AFLW radio show on Triple R, we are going to have a very special guests, Sabrina Frederick and Rana Hussein from Richmond oh, Football great. Club. That's- Two great guests right Amazing there. Amazing guests. I know. I'm very, very excited about that one. Very good. Very good. Looking forward to it. Thank you for coming today, even if you did Most bring welcome. a Hawks beanie. <laughs> uh, and Emily Fox, thank you. Thanks for today and also your post-match interview. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and special thank, obviously, to Nell Morris-Dalton and Brooke Lachlan, too. They were absolutely cracking guests. We'll yeah. hopefully hear from them again. I know. I was so glad to have them on. It was our pleasure. And you have listened to Kick Like a Girl, Triple R's AFLW radio station. This is presenter Kate O'Halloran. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Kick Like a Girl, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R during the AFLW season. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Kick Like a Girl Facebook page, Twitter or website.